And now I will introduce today's guest speaker. One of the many reasons that Canada is admired the world over is our clear commitment to human rights. Here in Ontario, our citizens enjoy a human rights system where everyone is valued, treated with dignity, and where human rights receives universal and unequivocal respect. Recently, Ontario strengthened our system for safeguarding the human rights of our citizens and residents. The new system is designed to resolve discrimination claims faster, provide legal support to everyone who needs it, and to advance human rights as a fundamental tenet of our society. This process has been led by our Attorney General and Minister of Aboriginal Affairs, the Honourable Chris Bentley. He assumed his Attorney General role in 2007 and in addition became Aboriginal Affairs Minister last year. He has also served as Minister of Training, Colleges and Universities and Minister of Labour. That's a lot of portfolios and a lot of experience in improving the conditions under which people work, learn and live in this province. Minister Bentley was first elected to the Ontario Legislature in 2003 and re-elected in 2007. Before entering politics, he practiced criminal and labour law. He also taught part-time at the University of Western Ontario Law School, where he helped to establish the Law School Careers Office. He has been a continuing education lecturer in courses for judges, Crown Attorneys, the Police and Defence Council. And he has written a book on criminal law. He's been busy. Minister Bentley has been an active community member in London West, the riding he represents. He was the first chairperson of the Neighbourhood Legal Services London and Middlesex, a legal clinic established in 1985 to assist low-income clients. Besides running for political office, Minister Bentley is also very involved in the sport of running. He has completed three Boston marathons and is a regular participant in the 24-hour relay to raise funds for London's hospitals. A graduate of the University of Western Ontario, he received his law degree from the University of Toronto Law School in 1979 and was called to the bar in 1981. He later obtained a master's degree from Cambridge University in England. Today, the Minister will speak to us about Ontario's human rights system. 50 years of progress worth defending. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming our Attorney General and Minister of Aboriginal Affairs, the Honourable Chris Bentley. Well, thank you very much, Helen. Thank you for that very kind and generous introduction. And most of all, thank you for your participation in the Canadian Club. What a wonderful opportunity it is to be at the Canadian Club, to be in this wonderful room, and to be with all of you to have an opportunity to speak about an issue that I know every single person in this room feels passionately about, and, and that's what the Canadian Club does. You give the people from all walks of life the opportunity to speak about what they're passionate about and what moves them. I want to thank not only the head table guests, but I want to thank all of you for taking the time out from your very busy schedules uh, to be here today. Uh, 50 years of progress worth defending. Very kind of you to speak about my role, but I'm but one of many. And I wanted to speak a little bit today about the journey. And I wanted to extend a thanks to all those, some of whom we know and some of whom we'll never know, for their role 
in human rights. And one of those I'd like to start by thanking is my colleague for being here, Minister Eric Hoskins. Thank you so much for being here, and thank you for the work that you do in the area of human rights. Thank you very much. You know, as we, uh, as we sit here in this hotel, in this room, in the heart of the GTA, in the province of Ontario, and in the great country of Canada, we are blessed. This is a special place. We have to live in the best country and in the best province in the world. As we sit here in the province of Ontario, we are part of a province that has people from all over the world. Over 200 countries, as many ethnic origins, every faith, over 150 languages. You won't find a place as diverse anywhere in the world. And in the midst of this most diverse place, we have peoples who live together, work together, play together peacefully. You won't find that anywhere else. I challenge you to suggest where that might be. And you won't find it in any place as diverse as this. And so the the question you might ask is, is how? The question you might ask is, why? Because what we have here in the province of Ontario didn't, didn't just happen. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't inevitable. Because if it was, it would happen at other places in the world. It would happen in so many places much less diverse than ours. But it doesn't. What we have here is unique. It's special. What we have here is the result of a lot of very hard work. What we have here is undoubtedly the result of, of many different issues, much different work. But I'm going to suggest to you today that one of the reasons that we enjoy this very unique place in which to live is because of our approach to resolving issues relating to human rights. That one of the reasons that we manage to be the most diverse place in the, place in the face of the earth where people from all over can live, work, play, can join our founding peoples in such a unique society is the approach we've developed over the past 50 years to the resolution of human rights issues and our determination to continue strengthening our protections for human rights, the protections for those around us. You know, when you have a society as diverse as ours with new people arriving every day, over 100,000 people arrive in Ontario every single year, it would be inevitable that there would be questions that arise, issues that arise. The new, the unfamiliar often present questions. They often present challenges. They often present issues. And the question is, how do you address those issues? We have a, had a strong tradition in the province of Ontario for addressing issues, for challenging the new that is presented, challenging uh, the old that exists, making sure that as we're confronted with new peoples, new faiths, new issues, we work as hard as we can 
to continue to develop the most open, the most inclusive, the most respectful society you can find anywhere. And it can be work. These are challenging issues. And they are presented to us at many different times. Some easy economic times, nah, some not so easy. So it has been a lot of very important, sometimes hard work over the years that has given the province of Ontario and has created the province of Ontario. And it's not simply the issues that are presented by those newly arrived. No, we have found a way to address issues that have been long-standing. We have found a way as a society, and our approach to human rights is one of those ways, to challenge what has always been and ask whether it must be so. A simple and direct example of that are the rights of women. We are prepared to challenge and to question to make sure that the answers we achieve, the answers we arrive at, will continue to build a very strong and inclusive society. I'm going to suggest to you that Ontario rests on a very strong foundation, and one of the foundation pieces, one of the critical foundation pieces, is the human rights system that we have developed. I say we, those in this room, those outside, those who have gone before, have developed over more than 50 years. Our approach to human rights is one of those defining features of our foundation. It is what enables a society such as this to exist as it does, such a unique place. And there are many people. There are many people and many organizations within this room and outside who will see in the approach we have today toward human rights, will see their contribution, their work, the work of their organization. They'll see their contribution in where we are. And to all of you and to all of them, I say thank you. I say thank you for what you have contributed and for what you have helped build. And today I, I just want to refer directly and specifically to one. His name was Hugh Burnett. And Hugh Burnett wanted a coffee. Quintessentially Canadian, don't you think, that when you talk about the great issues of the day, you start with a request for a cup of coffee. Something Canadians do millions of times every day. Now, Hugh Burnett made his request at McKay's Restaurant in Dresden. And Dresden, you will recall, was the terminus of the Underground Railroad, that great transportation corridor that lifted people from the, from the bonds of slavery to the joys of freedom. So many ended up in Dresden in southwestern Ontario, and, and the people of Dresden and, and Ontario and Canada developed a reputation for helping people come from where they were and start a new life, find the joys that are Ontario and Canada. Now in 1948, Mr. Burnett entered McKay's restaurant and made his request for a cup of coffee. And they wouldn't serve him. Now Mr. Burnett had signed up to serve in the Second World War, taken his basic training, and for medical reasons couldn't continue. But he was prepared 
the sacrifice for his country, but they wouldn't serve him. And Mr. Burnett turned to that to develop his trade as a carpenter. And he was very successful, and he applied that trade in Dresden and the surrounding area. So he had money to pay for the cup of coffee, but they wouldn't serve him. And Mr. Burnett was a resident of the area, so, so they knew him. So when Mr. Burnett sat down and requested this cup of coffee, they knew. Signed up for the war, carpenter, resident, but they wouldn't serve him. You see, Mr. Burnett was black, and they didn't serve black people in McKay's restaurant in 1948 in the province of Ontario. Even though it was the terminus of the Underground Railroad years before. Now that wasn't specific to McKay's restaurant and it wasn't specific to Dresden and it wasn't specific to southwestern Ontario. In fact, there were many places in Ontario that didn't serve people and Color was one barrier, religion another. There were many reasons people weren't given access to housing, employment, services, or a cup of coffee. And from that moment, Mr. Burnett started a journey. You know, he, he couldn't look to the people of the community. He did organize a referendum, which he lost. He couldn't look to the people of the community for the resolution. He couldn't look to the courts because at the time they weren't particularly friendly. He couldn't look to the law because it wasn't supportive. And he couldn't look to the government. So he did what he became known for doing. He agitated. In fact, Mr. Burnett's uh, motto was agitate, agitate, agitate. And he started a journey, a journey of many years, a journey that was joined by people whose names you'll recognize, like Boralaskin and David Lewis, and many who will never know. Some joined the journey at great risk to themselves or their family. Mr. Burnett, in fact, moved from Dresden to London because they stopped using his carpentry business in Dresden after he made his request. And his journey for his cup of coffee actually concluded in 1955. Not exactly express service. 1955, after the government of the day introduced two pieces of legislation, he and others were able to return and they were able to get their cup of coffee. Even though they were black. Now, Mr. Burnett's journey was recognized. It was recognized for having helped start the push for the Human Rights Commission and the Human Rights Code. A journey which was recognized by the province of Ontario on July 31st, 2010 through a heritage dedication ceremony in Dresden, Ontario. A journey which has inspired many and a journey the fruits of which
are with us today, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce and to recognize his daughters, Patricia and Cheryl. Thank you very much for joining us today. Now, as I say, the journey that he and so many others started culminated in 1962. By that time, we had a human rights code and a human rights commission. And it developed over the years from there. It developed through eight successive premiers, from Premier Frost through Premier McGinty, premiers from all parties, Progressive, conservative, new democratic, liberal. Through all generations, we had a societal, collective determination to build on and improve our approach to strengthening human rights. A societal, collective determination that started with the Human Rights Code and the Human Rights Commission and has continued over the years. One of the first changes was the right to have cases heard before an, an independent board of inquiry. Another involved having those boards of inquiry subject to review by the courts. And that's interesting and that's important because a review of decisions is at the heart of our system of justice. So it showed that one of the most essential principles of justice, the right of review, was incorporated relatively early on to our approach to the resolution of human rights cases and issues. It continued over the years through the development of a specialized tribunal, a specialized place where these issues could go for a hearing. Now, the right to be heard is important. The right to be heard is, is essential to justice. The right to be heard is essential to the resolution of any issue. And you might say, well, why a specialized tribunal? Why a specialized place? Well, you know... Human rights issues are unique. They're ever-changing. They, they constantly present new issues and challenges. Developing a specialized place for their hearing is very important. It ensures a stronger approach. And you might say, well, why a tribunal? A tribunal is, is less formal than a court, but incorporates the same strong principles. In many ways, the tribunal fits the people that come before it. Not everyone's a lawyer. Nothing wrong with being a lawyer, but not everyone's a lawyer. Not everyone can afford to hire a lawyer. And not everyone is as familiar as a lawyer with the specific rules of procedure or rules of evidence that are very much part of a court proceeding. So we developed a specialized approach to the resolution of these extremely important issues. And let's be clear, if you don't give issues a hearing, if you don't address issues, if you don't recognize them and speak to them directly, well, they will be spoken to indirectly. And that can only undermine the very society that you're trying to strengthen. And let me just take a moment uh, to recognize 
for the chair of the Human Rights Commission, Barbara Hall, is at the back. <clears throat> David Wright, who's head of the tribunal, there he is, and <laughs> Michael Gottile, who is the uh, executive chair of the cluster within which the two of them are uh, found, and the former head of the tribunal. Thank you, Michael, for being here. And Catherine Laird of the uh, Legal Support Center, and Catherine is down there, and I'll come to the Legal Support Center soon. Thank you very much for being here. So it's against this background. It's against 50 years of work. It's against work that has been done by premiers from all political parties through all different years and many more, joining them, spurring them on, encouraging them, that any call or question of reform needs to be judged. It's against that very strong history that has given rise to the society we have today that any call for reform is to be judged. And that's where I have a few comments and questions about the approach offered by Mr. Hudak, the leader of the opposition. You know, Mr. Hudak has addressed human rights issues on two different occasions. About two years ago, when he was running for the leadership, he addressed these issues on a number of different occasions. He spoke at that time about eliminating the Human Rights Tribunal and replacing it with a court. He spoke of the system acting too often like a kangaroo court. Kangaroo court. Strong words. Words not often heard in Ontario in relation to our institutions. Words which suggest that Mr. Hudak has rejected the approach that Ontario has followed to develop our strong human rights protections over the last 50 years. And he suggested that the, that the human rights approach that we had in the province of Ontario was being jammed up with political advocacy. Well, political advocacy, what does that mean? Where's the evidence to support that the system's being jammed up with political advocacy? And what does political advocacy actually mean the way he says it? You know, when Hugh Burnett asked for a coffee in McKay's restaurant in Dresden, it wasn't exactly popular. When the Human Rights Commission issued its recent report in response to allegations of harassment of Asian anglers, its report and recommendations, what was that? Was that political advocacy or was that a report to relieve, address tensions and strengthen our approach to human rights in the province of Ontario. Now, Mr. Hudak uh, returned to the theme just recently. And he used, 
in his recent comments, the word fix. He would fix the system. Now, fix is a lot less controversial than eliminate. And when he was asked whether he was flip-flopping, Mr. Hudak specifically rejected the notion, specifically said no, the fixes he was determined to implement were entirely consistent with the position that he'd taken before. In fact, they would implement his vision of before. So far from rejecting his previous vision of a kangaroo court jammed with political advocacy, he has said that the approach he's now taking is entirely consistent with it. Entirely consistent with it. Now that causes concern. And I know, <clears throat> I know, people might point to a case or a series of cases to justify whatever approach they wish to take with our human rights system. Well, you know, I, as a practicing lawyer for 25 years, I could give you a case or series of cases that I wasn't very happy about. I can give you cases either for the way they were approached or for the result they achieved that I wasn't very happy about. In fact, most people could probably give you a case or cases for every court, board, tribunal, and commission that they might disagree with. But you don't take a whole system and throw it out because a case isn't to your liking. You don't take a whole approach developed over 50 years and more and throw it out because of a case or cases that aren't to your liking. That's not the way you build a strong foundation. That's only the way that you take it apart. And what of the fixes that he suggested? Let me just address two. One was to bring to this specialized place an approach that would allow that place to dismiss cases without merit quickly. Sort of a summary review. Well, the Human Rights Tribunal actually implemented that summary review in July. That is July of last year. It's there. And he also suggested that he would speed up the approach to clear up the backlog, a backlog which he suggested was 4,000 cases long. Well, just to be clear, the Human Rights Tribunal receives about 3,500 new cases a year and disposes of about 3,500 cases every year, which indicates that it's broadly current. And in addition, over the past several years, the tribunal has been dealing with the backlog accumulated from before. That's why we brought in the reforms that we did. That's why we implemented the new, stronger protections. Any fixes suggested should be based on the facts as they are. The facts as they are. And in addition, we brought in direct access to the tribunal, the ability to take your case before the place that will hear it without asking permission. The right to be heard is essential to justice. The right to be heard is essential to justice. You know, it may be that, uh, it may be that the cases that we face 
are easy to answer. It may be that everybody knows the answer to a particular case, no matter its difficulty, that you don't have to have a hearing and you don't have to hear the evidence. When we look back at Mr. Burnett's request for a cup of coffee, the answer today is obvious, but the answer in 1948 apparently wasn't. The difficult and challenging cases of today may have easy answers tomorrow, but you have to let tomorrow come. You do have to let tomorrow come. And in the changes we brought about, in addition to direct access, we provided for a legal support center so that those who aren't lawyers, can't afford lawyers, can actually go for specialized advice on our human rights protections on the system to assist them in bringing a complaint or an issue to the tribunal. We have come a long way in more than 50 years. And there are many who have participated. They come from all walks of life. There are people who are known, people who are not. They come from all political parties and many of those who don't affiliate with any. Through more, through eight premiers over more than 50 years, through all three political parties, we have constantly address these issues in a similar fashion with a similar approach. We have looked to strengthen and build on our human rights system in the province of Ontario, a specialized system with a specialized commission and a specialized tribunal, one that can directly address the issues, hear the complaints, and find resolution or give an answer. We have, through successive generations, taken that approach. It has managed to build one of the most unique and the most diverse societies on the place of the earth. Managed to build a society where people live together, work together, play together, and yes, they do that peacefully. Managed to build a society which is the envy of the world, and we know that because people try to come here every minute of every hour of every day from everywhere else in the world. They come here because they know their rights and freedoms, their human rights will receive the kind of protection and respect that they would hope for and might not find elsewhere. We need to continue defending and strengthening the system that we have all had a hand in building, as have so many before us. We need to continue to build on a system that has created a society that's the envy of the world. We need to continue to build a society with human rights protections in its foundation, at its core, which is a place that all want to come to. We need to continue to work together with the Commission, with the Tribunal, with the history that's gone on before, and with the energy and determination in each and every one of us to build that society. And we won't rest for a moment. We know there are issues to be addressed. We won't rest on what's happened in the past. We won't rest on where we are today. We will continue to build and strive for that brighter tomorrow. Thank you very much. Now, they tell me that I'm, uh, I'm to answer questions. Um, of course, the rule in question period is that it is question period, not answer period. 
Uh, seeing no questions, I am absolutely delighted. Uh, <clears throat> I'm only half kidding. Uh, Minister, uh, I'd like to commend you on your uh, remarks first off and uh, commend your commitment to the tribunal process in the province. And I wonder if you just might comment on implications for Aboriginal communities in Ontario. Well, I, and thank you very much for the question. And, and we are a unique place. We have people from all over the world and they join our founding peoples in, building, in being a great society. And, and it's respect for all that's essential and part of, our, part of who we are and part of who we can become. And our human rights system is one of the foundation pieces that allow issues to be resolved, allow issues like the right to accommodation or fair terms of employment or the rights of of women when they become pregnant or other issues to be resolved uh, in a fair, direct way. Addressing the issues that face our Aboriginal peoples can be done in part through the human rights process and, and probably at least equally if not greater through the other parts of our foundation, the Constitution and the Charter of Rights the repatriated constitution with its specific recognition of our founding peoples. These are all foundation pieces for our society and their protection and their strengthening is all crucially important in order to address the issues that our founding peoples or others have, depending on the context in which we have them. Um, We all have to continue to work hard. Not for a moment would I suggest that we are where we wish to be. Not for a moment would I suggest that every important question has been addressed to our satisfaction. Not for a moment would I suggest rest. In fact, what I suggest is exactly the opposite, that we continue the journey and that we continue to show the courage and the determination of people like Hugh Burnett to take the risks that people before us have taken in order to make sure the issues affecting our founding peoples and others are addressed in the fair, responsible fashion. It's only when we address the issues that we can continue to strengthen the society that we all enjoy. Thanks for the question. First of all, my heartiest congratulations to the organizers of this wonderful uh, luncheon meeting to discuss the 50 years of human rights, the strength we have built, the bridge we have strongly built, is there any mechanism, Mr. Bentley, in the law which prevails to protect of this entity we have created over a half a century? Or is just up to the politicians when they come, they don't like something. When they get into the power, they say, well, we don't like it. Let's change it. Is there any mechanism in the law to protect? Well, I think that's a great question. Um, and the answer is the most powerful mechanism that we have is us. The most powerful mechanism, stronger than any law, stronger than the Constitution, stronger than institutions, stronger than any force or might, is us. It's only when we're prepared to stand up and defend that we have true protection. It's only when we take it as our own responsibility that this is something worth protecting, defending, and building on, that we can achieve what we wish at the end of the building. You can't leave it to somebody else. You can't say, well, we got a commission and we got a tribunal and, and that's enough. That, that's not enough. 
because those institutions require your strength, your commitment, your determination, your desire. They require your energy, not just in the good times, but particularly at times of challenge, when others are prepared for a variety of reasons to undermine them. So it's a great question. We do want to put in place as many protections as we can to protect our institutions. But at the end of the day, the most important protection is our determination to protect the institutions. Well, seeing none, I just want to thank you very much for the, uh, for the opportunity to speak here at the Canadian Club. Thank you very much for the introduction, Helen, and uh, thank all of you for coming and for your commitment to our human rights system. Well, thank you, Minister Bentley. And now I'd like to call upon Tenio Evangelista, a Canadian Club board member, to thank you officially. Thanks, Helen. Minister Bentley, on behalf of our guests this afternoon, I'd like, to, I'd like to thank you for outlining the tremendous work that you and your government are doing to protect, promote, and enhance the human rights that we all enjoy today and ones that we sometimes take for granted. Our province continues to be a destination of choice for many who are fleeing oppressive situations. Here, the principles of diversity, openness, and inclusion are welcomed, embraced, and celebrated. With your passionate leadership, our human rights system continues to evolve and strengthen and is a model for other jurisdictions throughout the world. Your government's commitment to the fundamental importance of human rights has helped to make Ontario the most vibrant and diverse place to live in the world, a place in which everyone has the right to live free from dis discrimination and intolerance and to be treated with dignity, a place Hubernet aspired to create. Minister Bentley, thank you once again, not only for your leadership on this most fundamental issue, but also for the outstanding job you have done as our Attorney General for the past four years and most importantly, for your continued commitment to public service. Thank you. Thank you, Tenio, and thank you, Minister Bentley, again. And thank you again to TerraNet for your support today. This concludes our television programming, which will be broadcast on Rogers TV in the days to come. I'd also like to thank Rogers TV and 680 News for their continuing broadcast and other support for Canadian Club programming. And finally, thank you to you, our audience, for being here today and always. And this concludes this uh, meeting of the Canadian Club of Toronto. Thank you.